is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son of her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Isn't that wonderful? Then Mary said, this is the first one to get a hold of, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Just this sense this morning that, I think Mary's a beautiful picture of this, that how God wants to use us. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that God really wants to use us. And, and many times you, as you read through the scriptures, often the people that God used, if you're, if you're honest, were the most unlikeliest people to be used. Is that right? You, you look at most of the characters in the Bible and often were the most unlikeliest people you can ever imagine, really. And we could go through character after character after character and we look at their lives and they, they look the most unlikeliest people for God to use. But here's the key, and I think it's true of Mary, and I think it's true of anyone in the Bible that God uses. Here's the difference. They made themselves available. Really, it's not about ability, it's about availability. And that's the key to being used by God. Making yourself available to God. And I would encourage you, really, at the beginning of this new year, to say, God, this year, I'm making myself totally and utterly available to you. Isn't that wonderful? Just say, God, I know if I would just make myself available, who knows what you could do with me this year. Isn't that right? Who knows, as you come to the end of this coming year, who knows what could have happened in your, in your life this coming year? Simply because you made a quality decision that says, this year, God, I'm going to make myself absolutely available to you. Who knows what could happen? Just bring brief three things, I think, we see in Mary's life that to help us to see the kind of person that God uses. Here's the first thing, and I think it's what you see in Mary's life. And I said, I just love this 38th verse. She had a desire to do his will. Look at verse 38. Let it be to me according to your word. The key is often to say, God, I desire to do your will more than anything else in my life. That's the kind of person that God wants to use. A person who's got a real desire to want to do his will. Almost more than anything else, God, I want to serve you and I want to do your will. Because there's the thing, if you commit yourself to really do the will of God for this coming year in your life, you'll be amazed what God will do in your life. You'll you'll just be amazed. Remember, his thoughts are far higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. Is that right? So you'll be amazed. It says, God, I make a a purpose action to say, God, I desire this coming year to do your will. Now, here's the thing I want to see. That when you begin to make that desire, when you begin to make that 
that stand, when you begin to make that decision, say, God, I make myself available to you, I desire to do your will, how many have found out there's all kinds of things that are going to try to oppose you from doing God's will? Have you noticed the moment you say, right, that's it, I'm going to really do it, I'm going to really this year, really go for it this year, really, really make a quality decision to really make myself available to God this year. Isn't it amazing how things seem to rise up, obstacles, challenges, all kinds of things rise up? But here's the thing, if you're willing to press on through that, I think the most exciting life ever is a life that's doing the will of God. Not just living a life for us, what we want, what we want to do, but living a life fully available, fully committed to the will and purpose of God for your life. It's the most exciting possible life you can live. It's the greatest life of all. And when Mary said, let it be according to what you've spoken, that's such an incredible, right there, an incredible thing she said, because who knows, in order for God to work in your life and do something to your life, he needs your cooperation. It's not just a blank thing, God just does it without your, uh, without your cooperation. You've got to cooperate with what he wants to do. And so, we need to say, God, I'm cooperating with your will. We just cooperate with what God wants to do. You're saying, God, I cooperate. I'm willing to be a vessel for you to use. And here's four things, four fears that actually stood against Mary. And four fears that if you're going to fulfill the will of God that you need to work through in your life. Four fears. Ready for the four fears that often can hinder us from doing the will of God? Here's the four fears. Here's the first thing. Fear of criticism. Fear of criticism. Can you imagine how Mary must have felt? Can you think of the staggering word she was given? You're going to have a baby. Number one, what are her parents going to think? What are her relatives going to think? What's Joseph going to think? Baba says she was betrothed to him. And do you know, actually, she could have actually been put to death for that very act. What's my community going to think about me? How are people going to look at me if I really fulfill the will of God? Maybe this year, God might be talking to you about maybe starting a business or something, or starting some area of ministry. Maybe witnessing to a certain person. Maybe giving a gift. Whatever God calls you to do this coming year, I guarantee at some point, you're going to face criticism. Is that right? And here's the thing. God really looks, if I put it this way, he doesn't ask us to be popular. He asks us to be obedient. And sometimes being obedient may mean that you're going to be, in some way, you're going to face criticism. What people think about you. Don't allow the, the possibility of being criticised to hold you back from doing the will of God. One of my heroes of the faith is Jackie Pullinger. I think about her a lot. And what an incredible story. She was just a young girl, I don't know, maybe early 19, 19 20 years of age. And no missionary society would support her. Nobody actually financially would help her. Nobody, everybody said to her what she was doing was absolutely crazy and ridiculous. She couldn't speak the language. 
She had no real support. She never had great education. But she believed this was the will of God for her life. And she was willing to break through all the criticism to do the will of God. That's true of us. We're really going to push through to do the will of God. You're going to face some aspect of some area of criticism. Here's the second thing. Fear of the supernatural. I think when God calls you to do something, it will always be beyond what you can do in your own natural ability every time. I think a lot of people struggle with this sense that they only want to do things that they, they know they can do in their own power and ability. They only want to do things that they know they can do in their own strength. How many realise that to live a life like that is just so, so limiting? Whatever God calls you to do, if it's a true call, if it's a true direction and word from God, it will always be beyond what you can do in the natural. Why? So that we learn to become dependent on Him. That's what it's about. God will always cause you to do something that is way beyond your own ability and talent so that you come to a place and say, God, I rely on your ability and your power and your strength because you know myself I can't do it. Amen? You see, really when you think about it, the mission that Jesus has given us actually is impossible when you think about it. You know what the mission is? To preach the gospel to everybody. Everyone around you to preach the gospel to them. Every opportunity. To lay hands on the sick. To cast out devils. To make disciples. In the natural, that is impossible. That's why we need supernatural power to do it. That's why Jesus says, you shall receive power on high. Why? To enable you to be witnesses for me. Because I know in your own ability, in your own strength, you can't be that witness, but I'm going to give you supernatural endowments that equip you and enable you to do it. If you have a dream that you can do in your own ability, then I, can I suggest to you that your dream is too small? Because the dreams that God gives, the, the words, the, the direction, the purposes of God are always beyond our supernatural, our own natural ability. What God wants to do in this day, and I really believe often, often people are very fearful of, a, of the supernatural movement of God. I've often thought why that is. Often the time is because we're fearful of losing control. We want to be in control all the time. And part of God working in supernatural ways in our life is that often we have to lose our own desire to control so that He can control things. So that's a big thing there, the fear of the supernatural. Here's a third one, a fear of inadequacy. You know, I'm no good and I'm not good enough. What I do, I'll mess up. What if I fail? How many of you feel that? Often, what if I fail? What if I do it and I fall flat on my face and I fail? You thought about this, probably the biggest failure of all to attempt in the first place. But often, the, the fear of failure can so often hold people back. You know, how can God use me? I've failed time and time again. I'm only glad that God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance. And often we, we say, I'm too young or I'm too old. And I'm saying this one, don't let the fear of inadequacy hold you back. 
I think every time someone receives a call of God, the first feeling of that is, I feel inadequate for it. Why? Because it's beyond your ability to do. That's what that sense of inadequacy. If you're willing to kind of press through that, don't allow inadequacy to hold you back, you'll be amazed. Because what you do, you realise that you're not sufficient for it, but you begin to discover the God who is sufficient. Amen. So there's the, there's the fourth thing. There's a big one. Fear of change. Now, many of us who, anybody who's had a baby knows there's one thing for sure. Change is going to come. Is that right? Your life will never be the same again. There's going to be incredible change in your life. And I feel often when we, when we obey, when we, we do the will of God, I find one thing. It will always require change. Without change, we'll never grow. Without change, we never move forward. And God will always require change for us to do his will. Do you know what? Here's a, here's a, here's a sobering thought. The moment you refuse to change is the moment you become unusable. Think about that. The moment you, because what you've said is I've gone as far as I can. My level, that's it now. I can't go beyond this level. I can't go beyond this. And the moment you ever reach that point of unwilling to change is the moment God can't use you. Jesus says you can't put new wine into what? Old wineskins. Why old wineskins? Because old wineskins don't change. They're not flexible. They can't change. They're rigid. And so Jesus says, I can't really pour new wine into something that's unwilling to change. Something that wants to remain the same. Something that wants to remain in, in a place of comfortability. I can't really work in that kind of condition. I need wineskins. If nothing else, I have a willingness to change. I have a willingness to be transformed. I have a willingness to, to be different and change. I want you to see something. You think about Mary. Look at verse 38. Can't you even look at that verse again? Notice what she said. She says, Behold, let it be to me according to your word. You know what? She said, I tell you what, come back when I'm married. It's going to be far easier at that point in time. You know, like my life is going to be far easier if you come back when I'm married. Or come back when I'm more financially secure. Come back when I've really got my life together. When everything is in place, then maybe you can use me. She says, let it be right there and then, according to your word. She may not have been the most talented. She may not have been the most cleverest. may not have had everything together. But one thing she did, she had a willingness to respond and say, let it be to me according to your word. I want to see two things. Because it's all very well to respond to the will of God. It's all about the attitude that you respond to the will of God. You know, how many realize attitudes are important things, is that right? And so there's two attitudes that, that she had when she responded to God. There's, look at them, there's the first thing. Go to that verse 46. We see there a little bit of what they call Mary's Magnificent. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Saviour. In other words, she responded to the will of God by being enthusiastic. She was enthusiastic about it. She started to praise him. In spite of her fears, in spite of her concerns, she began to embrace the will of God with passion and enthusiasm. 
enthusiasm and praise. The truth is this morning, you'll never really fulfill the will of God without passion. You really won't. It's very hard to fulfill the will of God when you're passive, when you're lukewarm, when you're apathetic. You can only really fulfill the will of God with enthusiasm. In fact, the word enthusiasm means to, it means God in. That's what the word enthusiasm means. It means God in. You know how you get enthusiasm? To be in God. You can't really be in God and not be enthusiastic or passionate. Think about it. You can't be around Jesus too long and not be passionate. The closer, the more connected you are to Jesus, the more passionate you become. Have you heard of a guy called, have you heard of a guy called Calvin Miller? He's a writer. And he writes all kinds of poetry, all kinds of things. He says this. And he writes about an antique wooden box. He said, on the lid were large letters Danger, dynamite. But he said, the last time I saw it, it was full of just common things. At one time, it was full of dynamite. But now it was just used for all kinds, I don't know, buttons and needles, all kinds of stuff. From that box is danger, dynamite. You think about over our lives, that should be over us. Danger, dynamite. Somebody who's full of fire and passion, dangerous to the devil, amen? When we lose the passion, when we lose the fire, we tend to get caught up with things that are irrelevant. I find more and more, much of what church does that is irrelevant comes when passion is lost. Because when passion is there, you begin to realise what really are the vital things. What's really important? What really makes life worth living? Is that right? And I just would love to see over every life, danger, dynamite, amen. You know, the truth is, you'll never be relevant to the world without passion. I'll tell you why. Because the world is very passionate for its things, is that right? They're passionate for what they do. So do you think that if we're not passionate, that we actually impact people? Because the world is actually moved by all kinds of things that they're passionate about. So if we're to be relevant to a world, then we need to be passionate ourselves. This is what the Bible says. Listen to what it says very carefully, Romans 12. Never be lacking in zeal. That's not me speaking, that's what the Word of God says. Never, how many would say, what does never mean? I think that kind of means always, never, always. Never be lacking in zeal. Here's the next thing, what the attitude she had. I think she had an attitude of just, I love this, of humility. Look at verse 48. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. I think one of the reasons why God used that, the Bible never fully says very much about Mary's life prior to this moment. But I know one thing about her life was that she was a person of incredible humility. I wonder how seriously you take the verse. Without him, I can do nothing. How seriously do you take that verse? Without him, I 
can do nothing. I actually feel in my heart that often God is drawn to emptiness. I think when he sees us in a place, say, God, we can't do it without you. We just empty ourselves of our ideas, of our plans, of our programs, of methods. We just empty ourselves of all that junk. And we open our hearts and make ourselves available to you. And God's drawn. Because where there's emptiness, there'll be hunger. And where there's hunger, there'll be desperation. There's a capacity for God to flow into that kind of condition, that kind of heart. So here's the first thing we're making. Believe that was the first point. <laughs> the fact is, you just desire to do the will of God. Here's the second thing. A few other points connected to that one. Here's the second thing. That she decided to pay the price. How many realise that if you're going to do the will of God, if you're going to make yourself usable and available to God, there will always be a price to pay. Is that right? Don't come true. There will always be a price to pay. Maybe you have to pay the price in prayer. Price of being committed. There's always a price to following God's plan. And in verse 38, she was basically saying, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to pay the price to do it. Someone said this, take everything you want, all of me, for exchange for all of you. I mean, that's a good bargain. All of me for all of you. You think of the price, the one of the price that Mary paid. I think, for example, reputation. For the rest of her life, she'd have a reputation because people didn't really believe Jesus was born supernaturally. So for the rest of our life, there'll be that kind of nudge. There'll be that kind of, that's the way, that's the one. That's the one. So you can think of it. Especially in that culture. We're, not talk- we're talking in a culture that would really, really scorn on that kind of thing. And she'd, she'd carry for the rest of her life that kind of reputation. And she was willing to risk reputation in order to do God's will. What a challenge to all of us, this one. I wonder what we're willing to do to fulfill God's will. I wonder what price we're willing to pay to go all the way for God. But here's the point. Although the price is high, the rewards are immense. I don't know any person who's really fulfilled the will of God who regretted it. Who never says, well, that price was too high. I don't think there's a person in the Bible, there's a person that I know of, that really went all the way and fulfilled the will of God, that looked back in any kind of regret. I can think of plenty of people who look back in their life and say, I wish I'd have paid the price. I wish I'd have gone all the way for God. I think there's many who regret that, but not many who regret the fact they went all the way for God and were willing to pay the price. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. She was willing to go outside of her comfort zone. Willing to go outside of her comfort zone. Willing, I was looking for a piece of paper that's kind of... It's not there. Oh, I've got it. There it is. No worries. No, no worries to fear. I've still got it. It's just there. I'll bring it up in a minute. Mary had to go all the way to Bethlehem for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Give birth in a cow shed. All kinds of stuff. She had to really, really leave her comfort zone. And often to do the will of God, we've got to leave our kind of comfort zone. 
There's a fish in Korea called the kwai. How many have ever heard of that fish? It's good. Uh, fish called the kwai. And basically, the key to the size of the fish is not in itself, but it's in the size of the pool. In other words, the bigger the pool, the bigger the fish. And there's that great key, isn't it? I think often that if we stay in our comfort zone, our faith will be very small. If we just stay in what we're familiar with, what we know we can do in our own power and strength, often we, we stop in this little pool, and so we really never really get beyond that. Our faith never really stretches or grows. I want to read a picture of C.S. Lewis, and I kind of Narnia is the kind of Christmas story. I mean, love Narnia. I remember years ago, I was about 8, 19, and I had a friend who used to read all the books of Narnia, and I used to think, why is a 20-year-old man reading Narnia? But I've discovered years later, there's incredible theology in Narnia. Isn't it amazing? And there's one interesting part of that story. It's where they meet the lion. And it's, this is what Susan says. Oh, said Susan, is it quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting the lion. By the way, that's Susan speaking, if you want me. Uh, that you will... That you will, dearie, this is Mrs. Beaver speaking now. That you will, dearie. And, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If anyone who can appear before Aslam without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who remembers Mr. Beaver? You know, kind of a bit of annoyance or a carriage, but never mind, he's a great guy. Uh, don't you hear what, Mr. Be- what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In other words, God isn't safe, but God is good. And whatever God's got for your life, it will always be what's best for you. So really, we need to be always doing things that stretch us. Things that always stretch you. Do things that you've never done before. Maybe you've never witnessed before. Make this sure a year that you're going to really witness. Maybe you've never moved in spiritual gifts before. Well, maybe make this a year that you're going to start moving in prophecy and start moving. Maybe you've never prayed for the sick this year. Well, maybe there's a great opportunity this year too. Do things that take you outside of your comfort zone that stretch you. That, that take you beyond what you feel comfortable and familiar with. And that's the place where you're really going to grow. That's the place where amazing things are just going to break forth in your life. Here's the next thing. Turn to verse 37, 38. Now, I want to read this. This is my Christmas present. Uh, one of the Christmas presents I had this year was... was it, it's called, actually, uh, the Passion Translation. And I think it's a, it's, very, it's a very, very accurate translation. The guy who wrote, who actually, who's actually translated this, is a, was one of the top guys in Aramaic literature and, and Greek kind of thought. But also, he's is an incredibly committed Christian. He's a missionary for many, many years. And so he's written this, he's only wrote the Gospels, I think, and maybe a few other books that he's done. But there's this translation that he says there, where we're going to read from, from Luke. I'm reading it again from the Passion Translation, but you kind of follow it in your own. When I can see it. So we'll read from verse 35. How's that good? Gabriel answered, The Spirit of holiness will fall upon you, 
and the almighty God will spread his shadows of power over you in a cloud of glory. I love it. This is why the child born to you will be holy. He shall be called the Son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in a sixth month. I love this verse. Not one promise from God is empty of power. For with God there is nothing, no such thing as an impossibility. Then Mary responded saying, that is amazing. I will be mother for the Lord. As his servant I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you've told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Awesome. Now, when it says nothing's impossible for God, actually the, the real correct translation for that is this. There is nothing, it's not nothing, but no word of God is impossible. In other words, what God says, nothing will stop him bringing it to pass. So here's wanting to see the final point where it is this. Dare to believe the promises of God. And she was saying, what you spoke, I believe it. What you said over my life, I believe it. Let it be. In fact, as you, as you, read, as you read further on in, 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 in Luke where Elizabeth says, Elizabeth says this. She says, how blessed are you because you were able to believe what God has said to you. You think about this. This was the most impossible promise that I think any person ever received throughout the Bible. You will bear a son. You know, that is the most impossible promise you could ever have. And she says, let it be. I believe what you've spoken. I believe that word you've said. What about you and I this morning? What word has God spoken over you? Maybe a word that you received five days ago. Maybe a word that you received five months ago. Maybe a word that you received five years ago. And God, what God has promised, he says, I am able to do in your life. And God wants to speak these incredible words in your life. He said, I'll never leave you and I never forsake you. What about when you're going through the, the challenges of life? How real is that word to you? I'm able to meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. What about when your world's fallen apart? I know that all things work together for those that love God. And God says, every word I've spoken will come to pass. And God says, are you going to believe the word I've spoken to you? Or are you going to believe your feelings? Or are you going to believe your circumstances? I think time and time again, God wants to make promises to you. That he makes real to you by the Holy Spirit. Words that burn in your heart. Words that stir your heart. He wants to put dreams. He wants to speak prophetic words to you. Words that get a grip of your heart. And you hold them and they, and, and they burst something inside you. And it seems impossible in the natural. But you're willing to say, God, I believe what you have said. Look at this great verse. Luke 2. I just love this. Luke 2, verse 18. 
It's a bit further on in the, in the story, if you like. But I just love this reaction. Luke 2, verse 18. Story of the shepherds when they came to see Jesus. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. Verse 19. But Mary kept all these things. And this is phrase here. And she pondered them in her heart. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? In other words, the shepherds were so excited. They would tell everyone about it, which is awesome. They wanted to tell everybody of the angels and all the things that happened. And they were telling everyone about it. They were excited. They were enthusiastic. They would tell everyone about it. But Mary was at a different level. The Bible says she pondered it in her heart. In other words, she allowed it really to go deep down and get a hold of her heart. I think there's absolute need for you to have an impossible word in your heart. Absolute need. Absolute necessity. Something about your life, something what God says about your circumstances, a word, an impossible word. Everyone needs to have an impossible word living in their heart. Everyone, every one of us, needs to have an impossible word spoken to a heart. And the Bible says, God's thoughts to you are more numerous than the sand on the sea shore. And he says, those words, those thoughts I have towards you, are not words of calamity, but they're good words. God has continual thoughts, and, you, and he says, you, the only way you can ever kind of measure them, really, or have any kind of conception of where they are, is to think about sand on the seashore. And that are the amount of thoughts that God has towards you. And Mary pondered those words in her heart. The word pondered also means she treasured it. She guarded it. She mulled over it and says, I'm not letting go of that word that's been spoken to me. So I tell you what you need, what we need today more than anything else. We need to be possessed by a promise. Our whole life needs to be possessed by promises of God. Words that we dream about. Words that we think about. Words that are are continually before us. We're possessed by a promise. A promise, a word that God has given your life and you're possessed by it. It grips you, it holds you, you can't let go of it. It stirs you, it moves you. You think about it when you go to bed. You wake up with it on your mind. You're possessed by the promise. That is something so much that God wants. Something you pray over. Something you, you live constantly through your life. And that word so impacted her. It got inside her. That began to be manifested outside of her. What was in the inside began to flow on the outside. It wasn't just some intellectual understanding she had. Not just some knowledge. But a revelation that gripped her heart. I think without that... We tend to live a life that's drifting. A life that really hasn't got much aim or purpose because we're not possessed by promise. When you're possessed by promise, there's a new goal, there's a new purpose, there's a new direction. There's something that moves you forward because you're possessed by a dream, by a promise, by a word. And I'd encourage you really to get a book. Maybe you've already. 
And write down the promises that God has given to you personally. Write down prophetic words that he's spoken over your life. Write down dreams that God's birthed in your heart. And I found this, so I can look back to things that were spoken years and years ago. Because how many know that when God gives you that word, it doesn't mean it's going to be fulfilled right there immediately. Is that right? Often there's a, there's a time, there's a gap. And that's why, and that's the problem. It's in the gap. It's when circumstances, when feelings say contrary to what God has said to you. But you've mauled over it, you've pondered it in your heart. And you keep reading over it, you keep thinking on it, you keep meditating on it. And it gets down into your heart and it holds you. And no matter what, outwardly, how differently it looks, you know in your heart what God has said. He will bring it to pass. No word of God turns to him for But he will accomplish everything he said and everything he has accomplished. How many believe that today? Let me close with this because she says, how is that going to be? That's an amazing promise. That's staggering. That's awesome. But how is it going to be? She says, this is how it's going to be. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And here's the amazing thing. How is God going to fulfill the promises? How is God going to fulfill the dreams? How is God going to fulfill that prophetic word he spoke to your life? You know how he does it? Because the Holy Spirit's going to be there. It's going to descend on you. It's going to come upon you. It's going to fill you. It's going to immerse you. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, it enables you and I to see these promises fulfilled. Not one word of God is devoid of power. Every promise, every word of God has a special supernatural power battery in it, if you like, to bring it to pass in your life. Let's just come before him right now. I wonder as we just draw to a close today, Maybe in your heart today, you say, Lord, as we kind of face this coming year, we don't really quite know what, everything what's in store for us. But you say in your heart today, one thing I know today is I really want to make myself really available to you. In a fresh way this year, I just want to say, God, I want to fully make myself available to you. I don't know what things hinder me, but I'm really, really coming year. I want to make myself really fully available to you. Just as that music plays right there. And I know often people hear things and it touches and speaks to people in different ways. But maybe very specifically for you right now, there's a fresh revelation, a fresh word that somebody just come into your heart. Or, or maybe you've been reminded of a word that you got many years ago. And maybe you lost sight of that word. and Somewhere in the midst of life, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of other things that... There's something you lost sight of that word, lost sight of that dream, lost sight of that promise, lost sight of what, that word that was spoken over your life, and some way, some way it's got lost. But as in your heart, it's saying today, God, I really, this year, I just want to make myself available to your will. As every head is bowed right now, just the music playing, it's just maybe a decision that you make right now. Nobody's around us looking, but something you want to make before God. Just, I don't mean to very simply, if, if that is something that stirs in your heart right now. Just, just simply stand where you are. As a kind of saying, God, today, this year, it's going to be a year that I'm just going to really go for it. And maybe this year you have, but you're going to say, I'm going to go for it even more this year. Devil, you thought I went for it big this year, but you watch out this year, this coming year. Anybody else in these moments just want to stand and say, God, today,
I make myself available to do your will and do your plan. Whatever you want, God, this year, I'm making myself available. And this year is going to be the best year yet. The best is yet to come. Father, we stand today before you and we make ourselves available to you. We say, whatever you want to do with our lives, Lord, use us for your glory. We give to you all our abilities, our talents, our resources, and we say today, we make ourselves available to you. Just use us for your glory. Just do something amazing, something awesome, so great, Lord, this coming year, that we would, we would do, go far, far beyond what we've ever known before. So bless your people. I pray for a fresh anointing. I pray for dreams. I pray for visions. I pray for fresh words. I pray stir up the, the past prophetic words. Stir them up, Lord. Stir up the gifts within us, we pray. Just pour your anointing in a fresh and new way, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.